The following program is rated MAL. It contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences. Green flag waving for the always exciting Sheldon Hutchill. He'll bounce the right rear off the wall with turn four. Lot one for Sheldon Hutchill. Quick time! Off turn four. Quick time! Ten, zero, three, zero. Second lap time for David is quick time! 15 0 2 2. Lap number one for Kyle Larson. Quick time! It's a 10 1 What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Quick Time, the podcast. As always, we are live here at the Race Cave. Uh, join with me, as always, is Josh Harris and Brad Brown. And I want to kick things off with Brad, man. How the hell did you get out of the house tonight? Isn't it a special uh, special day over the Brown household? I got a special lady. Uh, it's her birthday, and she allowed me to come out and do this podcast instead of celebrate her birthday. We're, it, Saturday's my daughter's birthday as well, so because it's so close together, we usually just do a family get-together. And So Saturday, we're going to go do an activity with my wife and daughter. and um, So just lucky, I guess. I got a special woman sitting there at home. We, me and my wife used to joke that birthdays are just, they're just another day. Cause you just get another day older, but at the same time you still celebrate them, but that's awesome. And she lets you out of the house for I, sure. I think everybody's birthday should be a national holiday for them. So when it's your birthday, you get the day off of work and it's a paid <laughs> hey, day. Mine is about every, uh, every five or six years. Cause it's Memorial day. So and mine's, it? mine's two days before 4th of July. So I'm using We don't care about anyways. yours birthday, Josh. <laughs> yeah. I would just. It, that's just what I've always thought. If I was president, that'd be the first thing we do. Everybody, you got to prove it's your birthday, and then you get that day off, and it's paid a paid day, vacation day. Might as well. I mean, I don't see why not. That'd work. I'll Brand, take it. Brandon be like, every day is my birthday. Damn right it is. <laughs> you got to prove it with a birth certificate. Oh, we're going there? Yep. Brandon, Brandon can fudge that for each day. That's right. <laughs> hey, if Obama can fudge his birth certificate, I can fudge mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's a can of worms <laughs> <laughs> so uh kicking things over to josh man i hear uh there's a new hockey fan in the uh, harris household yeah me me and brandon and our work went to the unl hockey game um this last weekend i don't know for sure the name of the school they played against was it college st cloud st cloud state st cloud state he is he was all about being a fan. Me and him uh, played NHL hockey on Xbox when he got home or the next day, and we got beat 10 to nothing, and he stopped wanting to be a hockey player after that. <laughs> <laughs> get him out on the ice. Let him be a real hockey player. He wants yeah. to go on the ice. That's the thing is that, and you even brought up bringing him to the Stars game. No, he, I mean get him in gear and out on the ice playing the sport of hockey. Have you seen how big my son is? He's not that big. So? <laughs> What's your point? That means he's well, fast and they can't catch but him. But we joked with them that, well, okay, if you want to do hockey, you have to give up soccer because soccer is the same season. No, basketball, because basketball is the same season. He's like, no, I'm good. I'll play basketball. And we're like, all right. But he does want to come. He's young enough. Ice. He can do both in the same season. It's can easy. He? Really? It's easy. We'll see. <laughs> but, no, it was, a, it was a fun time, that's for sure. It was different seeing college hockey with cheerleaders in the stands and a band. That was a little different, but the overall experience at a UNO hockey game or match or whatever it's called is was a lot of fun. It was a blast. It's not fucking soccer, Josh. It's a hockey game. Hey, I've never seen Brad. Brad, I've never seen Brandon more happy than when he's at a hockey game. That's for sure. 
or bad? Who said I was happy there? You you had a beer in the hand, so you're good. I had a beer and a couple of crown of cokes, and I had a lot of <laughs> shit in my hand. So, Brandon, how was your weekend? Yeah, another oh, day. Shit, sorry, I, I dozed off there. I, I, I missed that. <laughs> you know, Josh, another week in fucking hockey. That's what it was. <laughs> Just another week in hockey. We were hockeying. You're passionate about it. You know it, Brandon. You're that. You're that's uh, your happy place. You had a jersey on and everything. You were ready. Happy place. Little tap tap tapperoo tap tap tappy. I will admit, happy. It wasn't cold there. What the heck's up with that? Is this supposed to be cold at a hockey no. rink? That was odd. I don't know. The guy next to me won a lot of money because every time it was like a 15, he got paid from like 10 people around him. He made like... All I know is there was a lot of dollar bills going around. I'm like, who's going to the strip club he, afterwards? I think I added up. He won five times and each time he won, he got $15. And he said if his guy would have scored with the number 15, you got an extra two from everybody. I don't in the know. Crowd. Some, some little illegal gambling ring going up there in the you know, uh, Bax Arena. So I don't know what the hell was going on. Know, that kid made some money. That's for sure. But... Uh, hey, how, what's your, what was your guys' reaction to the icebreaker? I see in our picks, Brad pulled it out with, uh, Justin Peck winning, winning the the Sunday race. (laughs) What my, my first thought was, uh, all those people that were whining and complaining on social media about the race on Thursday. God damn it, I can't get to the race. Why are you putting on a fucking race when I can't be there? It, well, you know what? A, there was like a shit ton of people there. It was a good thing they could, couldn't could go because there wasn't room for them. The place was completely packed. The infield was packed. It was awesome. It was it was great to see the, the PA stronghold come out there and support a, a race that only got developed like five, six days beforehand. And and thanks to social media, like uh, last week's guest, Lance DeWeese said, uh, it helped get the word out and uh, the fans showed up in droves and it was, it was awesome. I, people were bitching about 26 cars. Hey, that's a full field. In my opinion, it was, it was a good night. Good thing they're not here in Nebraska yeah. where we're getting 15, three sixties yeah. for a, for a race night. Yeah. So I mean, four heats, that's, you can't, that was nice yeah. to see on a Thursday night. 26 cars. Do? You know what that is? That's uh four heats and a B main, but you know, yeah. one scratch and the, the, Runner did the right thing and just added everybody to the A main. But I thought it was great. Track was good. It was a little heavy, but uh, for just that early, it was uh, there was nothing to complain about. A lot of wheel stands. That was badass to see them go down the straightaways with that. Yeah, that track produces a lot of wheel stands, especially on the Sunday afternoon race. I don't watch it. And you got to see your boy win, and yeah, and I saw his brother leading the race on Sunday. I I didn't I didn't know if he was going to be able to hold on. I didn't think so. I thought once Peck and them got up there, it was pretty much lights out and. That's pretty much what happened, but no, I thought the racing all itself was was awesome to see. Um, it's neat. I think I saw Lincoln Speedway added uh, boxes to the stands, like yeah, they put suites at the yeah, very top, suites so-called suites at the very top. Maybe that's because they got to cut out that uh, you know streaming stuff. I was pretty impressed with that Devin Borden. He's uh, from I think Washington, and he's over there racing, and uh, he had uh, he top, he finished I think third on sun, Sunday's race, Saturday's race, Sunday's race. And, uh, Sunday's race. Uh, he's right now. We're watching a replay of the, the Thursday show, and he's running second in the feature. So it was pretty cool. Uh, it was a uh, good event. Great turnout. Uh, shit was like seventy-five degree weather. It yeah. was awesome. So, but what was the weather on Sunday? Did they ever say? It was cooler, but it was still pretty good. Say because it seemed like people were just wearing light jackets and stuff. Yeah. It wasn't super cold. And it started at three, so it was a day show. But the track was still in good shape for a day show. 
two they started and ended and the NASCAR race was still going on. So yep. that tells you how long that NASCAR race is. <laughs> <sighs> About oh, that NASCAR geez. race. I think I mean this is a whole nother topic, but that NAS do do they really need to run five hundred miles? The whole race is decided in the last thirty laps. So it is. Um everybody paces themselves with the first hundred and seventy laps and then they race hard the last thirty. You got to survive the first hundred and some last without getting hit wrecked pretty much. But anyway, props to Lincoln Speedway and UPA Posse for getting out there and supporting that uh, that racetrack. Yeah, I mean, it was even the infill was crowded. I mean, there was a ton of people down there, even on the Sunday race. So, yeah. Brandon, what did you think of the race? Like I said, I didn't watch it Sunday, so. <laughs> what about that? Uh, did Thursday? you watch Thursday? I kind of watched bits and parts of it just to see where uh, Dietrich didn't fucking Dietrich suck. That one. <laughs> last time I picked that motherfucker. Hey, but you, that guy said that you got second. Yeah, second out of the second. weekend, but you know what? Yeah. I got last. Finished first, you last. Yeah, I got last. Nobody remembers who finished second. I lost by point in the average. I lost by point five to the fans. What I find what I find funny, Brad, is uh, Josh keeps making up all these rules when it comes to this pick em contest where you get text messages. So if you win a championship, it's worth this much points now. He's making up all these rules. Why not? Uh, rules as we go along. So It's a bonus. And, and he's still on the bottom of the point. I know. No, I'm not, I'm not on the bottom. Brandon's on the bottom still. Oh. Barely. How am I on the bottom? Because of the Cause first Because you, you picked D- Dietrich. Yeah. <laughs> a, a, a second and a last? It was the first week. You finished last. It's not good, Brandon. See? <laughs> Fucking making up rules. <laughs> Our guest for tonight is going to be Carson Macedo. Uh, I think he's still in California. This is uh, when, what is tonight? Wednesday. Wednesday. This is Wednesday night, and we're uh, we're taping this. But uh, he's sitting there sunning himself in California before he heads to Florida for the weekend. That's what Brad said. He's probably got a. He probably flies down there, and the, the car is already there, so he's good to go. Yeah, he's got the easy job. Fly drive for 30 laps and fly back home. Crew's got a bus. It is odd that they're racing on a Sunday and a Monday. Daytona bike week, man. Is that the only reason why they got pushed to? I don't know. It's an added added race. Who gives a shit? Yeah, that's true. And then they got to drive. Look look at this guy over here. Somebody adds a race and this guy's over here bitching about it. What? Fucking, you should be a PA fan. I'm happy. It's on a Sunday. Oh, wait, you are a PA fan. I am a PA fan. Just to let you guys know. I have a a gift coming to me from Freddie Raymer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Uh, Dason Persley, new ride with Rem, Rembolt, Rimbolt, Underwood Motorsports for the USAC season. Think he's in a contention to win it or be like maybe a top three, top five? Yeah, I think he'll be a contender. I don't know if he'll be the winner. Yeah, uh, nah, he ain't a championship contender, that's for yeah, sure. He's pretty green. Um, that's a good team, but uh, boy, you got to be on your A game to compete against KKM and you got to be a stud. Dason's really, really good, but he's still a little young yet. And I definitely think he'll win a feature. Oh, absolutely. Or two. You know, I don't absolutely. think he'll be. Maybe he just won't be consistent. But I mean, he's shown it in the non-wing sprint car. He's been fast. Yeah. I mean, he's he's ready to go this year. What do you think, Brandon? I told you what I thought. He ain't gonna win championship. Top. What, do you think he's gonna be a top three, top five, top ten? He'll be a top ten. Top yeah. 10. I'm going on a limb. He'll be a top 10. <laughs> yeah, because there's 11 cars on that are running full time. I don't I don't know enough about the field. I love the midgets, but I don't know enough about who's committed to the the USAC uh, midgets full time for the season. So it's hard to say. I mean, he's going he's he's to be right up there. He's going to be – he'll win a few races. He's, he'll win, be more than just one. But yeah, I mean, uh, he'll, he'll be there. He'll definitely be strong. I mean, he'll be strong in it for sure. 
Dirt Empire Magazine is the ultimate dirt track racing only magazine in the world, featuring interviews, opinions, event photos, tech, and 100% racing action. Each issue includes late models, modified sprint cars, and more. Big event photos from the best photographers in the sport, and great one-on-one interviews with the top drivers as well as grassroots racers. Pick up a copy of Dirt Empire Magazine today at select tractor supply stores or other area retailers, or get your subscription today at dirtempiremagazine.com. Hey guys, Dan Taylor with Tailored Computers and Repair. This time I'm talking laptop screen replacement. We've all made the mistake of dropping our laptop. Maybe one of our animals stepped on it. Maybe we set something heavy on top of it and we just didn't realize it was too heavy. And you go to turn that laptop screen on, there's a giant crack across it. That doesn't mean your laptop is completely worthless. In just a couple of days of turnaround, I can easily get your laptop screen replaced. And usually it's for a pretty reasonable price. Don't think your laptop is completely wasted just because you have a broken screen on it. Give me a call today, 402-659-5641, or shoot me an email, tailoredcomputersandrepair at gmail.com. I'd be glad to give you an estimate on how much it's going to cost to replace your laptop screen. At Charter West Bank Mortgage Center, we know that it's more important now than ever to find a smart mortgage that fits your needs. We're locally owned, and Charter West Bank Mortgage Center is a leader in Nebraska mortgage lending for first-time home buyers and all types of loans. Our local mortgage team at Charter West is here to help. Give us a call. Charter West Bank Mortgage Center. Nebraska born, Nebraska owned, Nebraska values. Charter West Bank, the power of the Eagle. Equal housing lender. All right, guys, welcome back to Quick Time, the podcast. We are now joined by the driver of the Jason Johnson Racing, number 41, the one, the only, Carson Macedo. Carson, how's it going, man? Uh, doing really good. How you doing? Oh, not too bad. We're sitting here on, a, what is it, Wednesday night talking sprint car racing, so uh, can't, be, can't beat that by any means. Yeah, bench racing is always good. It uh, fills the time, and it's exciting, that's for sure. So, Carson, I kind of was curious. Uh, I know I'm good friends with Tim and Cindy Norman. How did you get involved with them when you were kind of start, not really starting out, but when you kind of, when your name kind of came on the scene? Yeah, I so I was fairly starting out. I, I had actually raced in California for about four years. Uh, and I was just racing basically 360 and 410 sprint car stuff. Uh, kind of just trying to you know, get my name out there. And I was going to college at the time and, um, it was sort of just that time to either make a decision to go out on the road and race or, you know, keep going to school and try and get a degree and settle down, get a job and, and do, uh, I guess the normal route. And so, you know, I got the opportunity, thankfully from, uh, the Tarleton family who is actually related to me, uh, through my grandfather, Robbie Tarleton, uh, Tom Tarleton, who owned the, you know, Tarleton racing team at the time, uh, sponsored me to go basically race a Keith Coons midget for the year, uh, in 2016. And from that opportunity, I raced, I, through the help of Jason Myers and going to PRI and him taking me there and, and kind of making more connections, uh, in, in Australia racing, uh, with, for, for a team, I was able to kind of bring a little bit of sponsorship money to get going to race in a car in Ohio that same year. And, Anyway, that, that car ended up being owned by Craig and Les Mintz. And through that opportunity that year, I raced you know, quite a bit through the state of Ohio. And I had saw or seen the, the 3G 
race with James McFadden that year. And they were really, really fast. Pretty much every night I watched them race, but they had a little bit of bad luck with engines and things like that. And James had actually made the decision to go drive the Highlands number three car in central Pennsylvania. And at that time I was really wanting to race, uh, just fill my schedule in any way I could. And the men's deal was basically kind of just to run in Ohio. So I had called Bernie Stugin at Indy race parts and asked him, you know, what, what would be a good contact to get a hold of somebody at that three G cars? Uh, you, you know, anybody car owner or crew guy or somebody that I could get in contact with. And so Bernie actually put me in contact with Tim Norman because he didn't have Joe Gertie's number. And, um, I ended up calling Tim and Tim kind of led me over to Joe. And then, um, that was just, uh, I mean, I was trying to race a, a wing sprint car on the same night that I was running a midget at, at tri state, I think, or tri city, uh, in Illinois. And, uh, they actually couldn't run it. They had, they didn't have an engine at the time, but he, you know, said, look, keep my number in your phone and call me if you'd like to maybe run in the future. So I called him to run the world finals in Charlotte. And, um, anyway, make a long story short, I ran the world finals that year for them and I really didn't do very good. We, I think we were in the C main or something like that. And, you know, they obviously, I, I, I don't know how, but saw something in me and, um, that following, week i was driving from north carolina to la in my car to go run the oval nationals in a non-wing spur car and the mints uh deal kind of fell apart and they were just kind of pulling back to doing a limited schedule with craig mints um and and so they told me that they weren't going to be able to race that following year so i called joe gertie back and said you know hey man you know, would you be willing to race with me you know in in 2020 or 20 sorry 2017 and um you know, luckily we, we put together, I think I, I would have been in like a 40 race schedule and we ended up running like 65 races that year. So, Dang, um, <laughs> yeah, Tim and Cindy really, Tim and Cindy were a huge part of that. Like if anything, co-owners in, in the three G, in my opinion, um, put forth a lot of their time, effort, money. Um, and a lot of the equipment also was there. So, They've been, you know, a huge influence in my career and Joe Gertie as well, obviously, in several, several ways. But uh, the 3G was one of the coolest spur car rides ever, in my opinion. I really think that it shaped a lot of good careers. And um, it's pretty disappointing that it's not around anymore because uh, I think it was a very unique situation and a lot of stories to tell, that's for sure. I know you guys had a lot of experience, uh, a lot of success in that 3G. Did, did uh, and this might be a dumb question, but did you and Joe Gertie hit it off pretty quickly, or did, uh, did it? Was there a little learning curve uh, involved at the start of uh, your teaming up together before uh, you started to get comfortable in the car and and and, uh, and uh, contending for wins? So I've always been a big, big advocate that it's just a mechanic sport, you know, at the top level, you know, when you're running local competition level, you can elevate as a driver. And if your car's close, you can, you know, beat out some of the guys that are just running for on the weekend when you're trying to race full time for a living and you just have more seat time, more repetition, and you just can seem to make a few things happen in the car. But I feel like once you get to that all-star and outlaw level, a lot of the difference is mechanic. Um, because you're, you know, you got the best drivers at those, at those levels. And, and so it, when you get your car really good, it makes it a lot easier to beat the guy next to you that has a similar level of talent. And, 
you know, Joe Gertie was just a great match for me. I mean, I think we hit it off pretty much right from the get go. You know, we raced obviously in Charlotte. I said that, you know, we didn't run that good, but I think there was several different reasons why that week didn't really go quite as what we thought it did. You know, they were in a place where they were kind of just throwing together an engine and I really didn't have any laughs on a big track at that point, hardly at all. And it was just a big, big jump to go run that race in the first place. Um, but that following year I had went back to Australia and raced for Sean Felicity Dyson, who I've drove for ever since then. Uh, and, and in Australia and they, you know, that experience led me to, you know, make another connection. And then that gave us a little bit more financial, we had a sponsor come on board after that, that gave us just a little bit more financial help. Uh, and, and it, we just hit it off. The first race that we ran together in 2017 was all-star show at Attica. And I'll never forget it. We were, you know, at Joe Gertie's shop. And if anybody's ever been there, they, they had, you know, Joe had an engine shop and, um, we ran the car on the dyno and the motor that we were going to run that was, you know, considered out of the two he had, you know, the big motor, didn't didn't run uh it had issues and on the dyno and so we were like it was a last i mean we tried all night to get this thing to run and it was a last minute disaster you know throwing together to try and get this other engine in the car the next morning to then head over to attica and um man we were unbelievable right from the get-go like just we, we we were really good in qualifying and then we you know made the dash and uh, we started, I think, fourth or sixth, I, I think, somewhere in that first or that second or third row in the feature. And we were leading um, with, I think, five or six to go and ended up, you know, blowing a head gasket in that other motor. So <laughs> I'll never forget that experience. Like, I remember being so excited to work with Joe because he had worked with Jason Myers in the past. And Jason has been a huge influence in my career. Yeah. Uh, he lives in Clovis, California, which is, for, you know, basically Fresno, California, where I currently reside and uh, you know a portion of the year and and i was joe had, uh, jason had so many good things to say about joe and i thought after that first weekend it was over to be honest we had <laughs> yeah. we didn't have we had two engines and now we had zero and we were trying to run 40 races and uh, joe and them just always made it happen it was just unbelievable that team like i said the stories that i could tell you know they just they they were the epitome of just racers like tim and cindy and joe could stretch a dollar further than anybody i've ever you know seen um and and don't get me wrong like philip deets with jjr does an incredible job at that as well he he saves all he can and makes sure that he gives us what we need to win but also you know cuts costs wherever he can to to do the right thing by the team so that we're not using money uh, wastefully, but man, Joe, Tim and Cindy could just, they could make it happen. I, I bought them barely the smallest amount of sponsorship in 2017. And I, we ran 65 races, you know, we, <laughs> we stayed in, in the Toter home together, all four of us almost all the time. Holy and God. it was just, it was just a really, really cool, humbling experience. The, the whole three G ride for me. Well, how much has Joe taught you then to run the PA tracks and Ohio tracks then? How much have you kind of, from what he's kind of showed you, you know, what to run, how to run it, how has that affected you? Um, so, you know, Ohio was a given for Joe. I think Joe's specialty was, you know, small Ohio slick track. When the pace slows down, his car was just in the racetrack. And he had a package that was, 
it, it seemed like he didn't do a whole lot really to make it be that good. But man, it was just, it seemed like Attica, Fremont, you know, your, your tracks in Wayne County and then, then places we could just always get around there really good. And, um, you know, Pennsylvania was tougher for sure. Um, I think racing with Joe helped me just in, on a general spectrum, be a better race car driver. He was a, as much of a driver coach as he was a, a mechanic, but, um, yeah, um, Pennsylvania was a struggle to be honest for me personally. Um, not that Joe didn't, you know, I'm sure he had the car really close, but it was a big learning curve for me. I didn't race on big tracks like that very often prior to going to race for Joe. And then when we went on the all-star tour, it was a culture shock because that year prior, we had mostly spent our time racing on both mine and his bread and butter, small tracks that we, we picked and choose our schedule to make sure that we would win races so that we can continue to get, keep the team going. Um, so we went to a lot of local Ohio stuff, Illinois, all-star races and, you know, Wisconsin and, and, and we just spent a lot of time on them tracks, but Pennsylvania was a struggle for me, both on my first year on the, on the all-star tour, when I went on the outlaw tour with Joe in the two car and even, you know, at times, you know, on the, in the 41 still at Port Royal, I feel like I struggle there. So, um, you know, we did get the hang of it. Eventually we were able to win at Williams Grove together and we went Lincoln together and I mean, we, we were able to come out of it and do a good job in the end, but it, it wasn't quite as easy as acclimating to Ohio. What was the struggle just because, uh, in California it's primarily small tracks and, and, uh, um, wet tracks in Ohio, it's dusty and dirty and dry. And then Pennsylvania's big half miles or what can you, I mean, I, clearly you got to figure it out because you're one of the top teams in the world of allies, but uh, what was the early struggle from? Yeah. So for me personally, I think, I think that, I think there's a little bit of a stereotype in California that it seems like it's all, we're all running around on like rough bull rings that are wide open every night. I don't quite think that that's true. I do think that we have tracks that, you know, are that way, but I've also been to Ohio and seen races that are cowboy up, you know, heavy and, and aggressive too. I think the size of the tracks are a lot more similar in Ohio compared to California. And I think that's why the acclimation was so much easier. Um, you know, Attica gets slick to a curb, but you know, so does Hanford, um, California. So, you know, I think there's just a lot more similarities in that, in that type of racing to me. Anyway, I know they do get dusty and slick more often probably in Ohio, but, um, you know, I think that has to do a lot with several different reasons. Um, and most of it being track prep, uh, in my opinion, you know, we don't, it seems like the promoters in Ohio, they just, all they do is sheep's foot it and hardly give it any water. And it, you know, it seems to hold together where in California, I do feel like they work the surface a lot more. So it takes a little bit longer to get there, but we do get those types of racetracks where, you know, Pennsylvania is a totally different animal. Like you go to Lincoln and it's two drag strips and a hairpin and we never see that. And Williams Grove is even worse, you know? So, um, it just takes an adjustment of driving style to make that work. Uh, and it took me a long time to figure that out. I felt like in my eyes, you know, I remember leaving the Grove thinking to myself, man, I wish they would just bulldoze this place into the ground. <laughs> I never had to go back, but now I love going there with JJR in the 41 car. Um, you know, it's something that I feel like if you can get good there and, 
and really shine at that track, then you can get ahead, especially on the Wheel of Outlaw Tour. Um, so, you know, we race there a lot, six times a year. Port Royal's beginning to be about the same. And, you know, it's something that I need to get better at at that place. Uh, we have had our struggles there. And that's one that I is definitely on my radar to be, to be stronger at. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I think just the size and the shape of the racetrack for me was the biggest adjustment. Do you have a favorite track that you get to go to that, you know, when you roll in the pit gate, like, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to win this thing. And, or is it just a particular style of racetrack size of racetrack that you, you prefer? So it's crazy because being from California, you would never guess this, but my, my, one of my favorite places to go hands down is Knoxville. I love going to Knoxville and it's easy to feel that way when you drive from Philip Deeds, I think, <laughs> um, his car is incredible there obviously he's he's had success with just about every driver he's raced with there and you know it just it just is so much fun racing at that track it's such a chess game and he does a great job i really like eldora a lot um i enjoy going there too i think phil's car is obviously extremely good there um but you know for me personally if i was to say well if there was a track i could go to that it didn't matter really what car i was driving i feel like i'm really comfortable at hanford which makes sense it's 15 minutes away from the house i grew up in i mean it's i raced there a lot growing up so i just seem to be able to always do really well there uh and chico is one that i enjoy you know a lot too that i feel like i've been competitive in several different cars at those tracks so you know, you're always, you know, apt to enjoy tracks that you run good at. So how much has you, you and your brother raced against each other? Like, has that helped? Like when you guys go head to head or anything like that? Like, is there a rivalry between the two of you at all when you're on the track together? Um, I mean, me and my brother are just competitive. I think that it's shaped us into who we are and it's made us better people, better race car drivers. Um, so we always want to beat each other, but you know, I, up until just recently, really the last you know, two, three years or so, I hadn't actually raced against my brother a whole lot. I had spent, you know, most of my time racing back East and he hadn't quite made his way back here yet. And then, you know, in recent years, two, three years, he's, you know, come out to Ohio and raced, you know, local Ohio stuff with the lenders or, or, uh, with Ray Brooks racing and he's gotten the opportunity to race a lot more all-star and outlaw shows. And I know he ran the nationals with Philip Eats last year. And so it just, you know, he's, he's been able to race a lot more of the races that I run, but, um, I really enjoy racing against Cole. I think it, uh, you know, brotherly love and just the overall competition of wanting to beat each other drives us. And on top of that, you know, I want to see him do good. I mean, I, it was conflicting, right. At, even at the Knoxville nationals last year, it was like as much as I wanted to beat him because, you know, we have that brotherly rivalry. I also wanted to see him do incredibly well. Um, so I'm also his biggest fan, especially if I'm not out on the racetrack. I mean, if I win, I want him to run second. You know, I think, I think that's the bond and the, the definitely the relationship we have. So, you know, overall, I'm just happy that he's racing with me out there and that we're both kind of pretty close to the top level together. Do you guys, do you give him tips at all? Or is it now that he's really establishing himself in, in sprint car racing, now that he even announced today the new team that was formed with uh, 
um, with the Ray Brooks uh, cons- team. But do you give him tips, or is it now to this point that hey, you're on your own and and the best man wins? No, I give him tips even if I'm racing against him. Okay. Um, I'm a you know, I, I, I want to see him do extremely well. I've, I'm like I said, I'm his biggest fan. So even if I'm racing against them, I try and help him out as much as I can. Um, you know, I remember this year being at world finals together, or last, sorry, into last year in November being at world finals yeah. together and we're, you know, in the dash racing against each other. I think I started third or something and, and he was on the pole. We both ended up wrecking actually, but we, uh, you know, I was telling him, you know, here, you know, here's what I think you should do on the start, or this is what I think maybe, I think David Gravel was starting next to him, and David is notorious for being really good at restarts and, and initial starts, and I was trying to give him an idea of what I thought Gravel would do, and even though he was in the race against me, I just, you know, he's never won a World of Outlaw race, so for him to win one would be pretty incredible, and I, uh, yeah, I hope I'm there when he, when he does it. So I want to give him all the tips I can, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm still, if I'm running second, he's leading, I'm going to give it everything in my power to win the race, you know, too. Right. So right. I'm going to help him all I can, but, um, I'm going to do all, all, all I can to win as well. You mentioned Knoxville there for, for a minute and I could completely have the story wrong. And it's not the first time I said something stupid on the podcast and it's not going to be the last what? time, No way. but, uh, do I remember right? Did you flip a cart over at Slideways? Yeah, I did. Well, I <laughs> my did, question is, but I had a little bit of help. My, yeah. my question is, you're a professional race car driver. Yeah. How the hell did that happen? So, in myself, so Kyle had a, uh, Larson had a charity event there at Slideways, and he wanted me to come and invited me to come, and um his manager, uh, J- uh, Josh Peterman, he had contacted me and I was, I was all in. I thought it would be fun. And Brad came and Colby Copeland, I think. And there was a few of us that went down there and raced and they kept putting us to the back and, you know, we would, you know, try and come up to the front and, and put a show on. It was really for all the people there to donate. And we were just having a good time. And there was a young kid there. I, I met him afterwards. I can't remember his name, unfortunately, but he was just, you know, real aggressive and having a good time. And he was so apologetic and felt so bad afterwards. And I felt bad that he felt so bad, but he threw a massive slider on me and just, I, I lifted, but it was too late. I, I mean, he, he hit me so hard that, that the, I got into that, like the fence that was on the outside. And I actually kind of like, it, it, it hit so hard that it bounced the left sides kind of up in the air. And when it did, his cart got kind of underneath mine and it just got to the point where it just tipped right over that, that, um, you know, guardrail gate. And man, when it did, it, it, it started leaking fuel everywhere. And then those things are on gasoline. So it just <laughs> instantly lit up on fire and then they're turning me over and I had to get out quick and, Oh, what a crazy, crazy deal. But I was fine. But yeah, crazy. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, of all things, don't get hurt at the racetrack in Knoxville, but slideways. <laughs> right. A little known so. fact is that that kid that threw that nasty slider, he's a midget driver now. So Is he? <laughs> is he really? No, no, I have no clue. I just know that the topic of, uh, oh, of midget yeah. drivers throwing dirty sliders. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Oh, man. Midget racing is crazy. I do it every once in a while. And, that, that's where I first first uh, heard of you is when you ran for KKM and in the midget. Uh, how how did that help you propel your career onto now what it is? 
Well, I think that, you know, that, that experience was really, really new for me. I, I had never ran a midget in my life until that opportunity with Keith. So it was a really tough deal. Like if I could know what I know now and have the knowledge that I have now and about the sport, I would have approached that, that opportunity much different. Um, you know, at the time I had no midget experience and I had the idea in my head that I should win every race. You know, I, I was like, this is my opportunity. Like if I want to, you know, go to that next level for me, I always wanted to be a world of outlaw sprint car driver, but I just knew that if people were going to notice me or put me in their car, that I needed to be winning races. And, you know, I was just, that was a tough year for me because I put so much pressure on myself that I just, you know, I didn't have the experience really to be winning races that way, but I thought I should. And so, you know, I won a few and I did okay, but you know, it led what, what that experience did for me was just lead me to so many great sprint car rides that year. I ran 21 different cars that year. Um, oh and I, That's nuts. I remember sitting on the, you know, the forklift in Keith Coon shop and, you know, my buddy Spencer Basin to this day, we, you know, we talk about, you know, he was you know, making fun of me, laughing at me. Cause he's like, dude, are you trying to hold down a forklift? You think that thing's going to blow away? But I would just sit there all day and just call people over and over and over again. You know, any car owner that I thought would even give me a sniff to put me in a car, you know? And so, you know, it led to a few really good opportunities and, you know, Keith's deal was a gateway. It was crazy. I couldn't believe how many people would, I'd give them a call and I'd say, hi, I'm Carson Cito. You know, I'm driving for Keith Coons Motorsports and, and I'm looking for, Oh man, you driving for Keith, man. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put you in my car because, because of Christopher and Kyle and, and, um, and, and Rico and Tanner Thorson and those kids that had done such a good job in that ride, it had given it such a good rap that people at that point were like, Hey, if you're driving for Keith, you must be great. And so, uh, it just led to a lot of really good opportunities and, the midget thing was a lot different in that time than it is today. Um, you know, the best drivers were your teammates, um, and the best cars were your teammates. You know, Tanner was really, really good that year, and him he beat me and Spencer a lot. We were kind of two and three, it seemed like, every night and behind him. And um, but now, wow, I mean, the midget game is just at a different level. It's, it's, I ran races there at the end of the year in November here in California for Sean Felicity Dyson, who owned the team that I drive for in Australia. And we did really well. You know, we won a race and I felt like we had strong runs, but it's just at a different level. There's so many good teams that have great equipment, great drivers money backing good you know the, everybody's got a toyota or an sr11 now and um it's just crazy to me but <laughs> so, um it, but it's really fun that's for sure so how would it have been different if you would have raced now in midgets trying to go through the ranks like you are like you did how would that be different now trying to go through it oh well uh man i don't know you know i i I personally think that when I raced midgets, it was a lot more, um, well, it was just, how do I say this right? It, it just was, I enjoyed the time when I raced midgets. I think that, you know, back in that day, Keith's deal was only five cars, which at that time I thought was a lot. You know, I thought, <laughs> yeah, no wow, time. that's all that's a lot of cars to be bringing every night. Like is, is there going to be enough focus on every car? But man, it, there was, I mean, they did a great job of running that business at that time. And, you know, they did, I think Keith's just a really smart guy and Pete Willoughby's a smart guy and they, 
they had a couple mechanics and they had plenty of guys working on the cars and I had a blast that year driving for them. Um, but now, you know, I mean, it's just, who do you go drive for? And, and I don't really know that the midgets are producing, um, you know, there was an idea for a while that midgets were producing NASCAR drivers and that idea has just sort of faded out. I feel like, I think Kyle and Christopher were going to go there no matter what, whether they were driving sport cars, NASCAR or sprint cars or midgets or whatever, they were just, they're incredible race car drivers. And I just don't think that that's the idea anymore. Um, I think midget racing is just really fun and enjoyable. And it's close racing because you don't have wings so there's no disruption in the air. You can enter right behind somebody and not really get too, too out of shape. And, um, I enjoy midget racing a lot, but I mean, at this point it's like, who, you know, who do you drive for? Who has the edge and everybody wants money to come drive for them. Yeah. Um, so it's just such a tough deal in my opinion. Like, you know, at that time, Keith, you know, was it, my deal with Keith was a rental deal. Right. So I'm not knocking that. I just, it's just really tough to, you know, there's so RMS has a, has a really strong team and they're hiring drivers. So they're, they're probably the only one really, you know, other than that, you know, you pretty much have to rent a deal to go to, you know, Chad boats team or, um, you know, if you're going to go drive for like Macintosh full time, they have a team. I know Keith, I mean, obviously he's got like 12 of them. So, you know, but there it, it's, there's plenty of options, um, but it's just a different ball game than it was when I drove. What What does it mean to race for JJR? As far just to switch gears towards the Outlaws, I mean, yeah, I know that probably means a lot because of his, because of what he's done for the sport. What does it mean to you? So I think JJR personally, I believe JJR is the best team on the World of Outlaw Tour. Um, you know, I say that with pure confidence. I know that we haven't won the championship, and I know that. You know, there's a lot of people that would you'll know, feel that's just my own personal opinion. Um, but you know, obviously KKR is an incredible team and TSR, and there's a lot of really good teams out there. But you know, JJR is just next level. They're they're Philip Dietz, Clyde Knipp, and Nate Repitzer. It's the people for me. I think Philip is is an incredible person. I mean, he was Jason's cousin. And, and, and he's, and he still carries that same attitude and drive that Jason Johnson, you know, had when he was owning on driving and operating the team. And now Philip and his wife, Brooke Dietz are the owners of, of the team and they, and they do an incredible job. And, and Philip is an, an absolutely unbelievable mechanic, in my opinion. Um, and Clyde Knipp is, has become one of my really good buddies. He's so lighthearted and, He's just got a really good personality. He's upbeat. He keeps all of us on our toes and he's fun to be around and he makes the atmosphere of our team really, really special. Um, and then Nate Repitz, I mean, he's, he's a good guy. He just, he loves the sport. He loves smart car racing. He wants to learn. He wants to step up to the next level. And, um, he's, he's a great, he's a great asset to our team. And he has been with JJR now for, I think three years. So, uh, but, you know, outside of that, I mean, it means a ton to me that, you know, so many of the sponsors that Jason put together back in the day have stuck around through all of it. I mean, you know, we have incredible sponsors on the JJR team with all ball coming on board, but, you know, Messiah Valley Transportation with Royal Jones and, and John and Winnie Sage with the Sage family and Tammy and Kyle Bolts, um, that they just sold the Jonestown KOA, but they had, they, they had that, um, 
you know, for a while and they still continue to sponsor the car. And there's just a lot of really good people. I remember 2018, we'll go back a little bit when I drove that car at Knoxville, I had, you know, didn't even have a ride to go race Knoxville that year. And through the help of Jason Myers, you know, telling Philip to run me and saying that he would get on board as a sponsor, if he would run me and then bring in Tarleton's on board. And they were able to present an opportunity for me to go race with Philip that car's first time back. And I'll never forget walking into the trailer the first time. And from an outsider looking in, I thought, man, JJR is just, I mean, they got an unlimited budget. They're, they're just, I mean, they need for nothing. And that was so untrue. Uh, when I got there in 2018, I realized that, you know, they did a lot with a little, and they were really, really good at perception they their stuff was really nice clean well kept organized and and it just brought their team to the next level in in everyone else's eyes you know and so when i ran that car that first night and we won and everybody and the look on you know his son jacks johnson's face when we won that race and he got up there in victory lane with me and at the time bobby still on the team and she was over the moon and everyone had tears in their eyes and um, you know, I think Jason Johnson was an incredible human being and he did an extremely good job building a team and, and formulating a race team that was backed by a lot of not one good person, but several good people that came together to make a great thing happen. And, um, he must have been an, I mean, I, I met Jason, I hung out with him a little bit in Australia, but I didn't have a really strong relationship with him. But I could tell you from my experience at JJR, there's no way he was anything but an incredible human being with the people that he surrounded himself with and attracted to be a part of his team. You mentioned that night there at Knoxville, your first night in the car and, and picking up that victory. Uh, I was at Eagle Raceway that night and, and we got done with our features and we, we pulled up the, uh, the video of, of Knoxville. It was still, you guys haven't rolled off yet. And I just know the pits were went crazy when he picked up the victory. I could not imagine what it was like there in Knoxville. Oh man, it was it was an unbelievable experience. I, I'll never forget it. That's for sure. Um, I had had very limited time at Knoxville at that point. I maybe ran you know four or five races total there, and, and maybe that's even a stretch to be honest. But. Um, you know, I showed up in that opportunity. It's crazy. Like looking back on it today, I, I would be, I, I couldn't believe the feelings and the, and the thoughts that went through my head. Yeah, I remember a few people saying to me, like, you know, are, are you nervous for this opportunity? Like, this is a big deal. You know, everybody's going to have their eyes on this car. And it was like, I couldn't, I, it just, it wasn't that way for me. I had watched Jason win the Knoxville nationals and, I thought to myself, man, this car's so good. Like all I have to do is just, you know, stab and steer that thing around there, and it's it's going to do the rest. And and I felt like it was just it was just a story tell night. Um, you know, we ran, we qualified okay. Um, we were good in our heat race, I remember. And then, you know, the feature fired off, and I think I started fifth. And it was just like unbelievable. You know, my car was just incredibly good, and. And really, I, I feel like we should have won the next night at 360 Nationals as well. Um, we started eighth, I think, and took the lead uh, with about 10 to go. And then uh, with about two to go, Terry McCarl found the rubber right on the bottom. And, I mean, he, he was like a straightaway back and just caught me and drove right by me in the rubber. So, 
that was, you know, a bit of a sting to run second to in the, in that race, but it was just because it would have been special to win the 360 Nationals with Phil. But man, it was just a a whirlwind of a week and uh, an opportunity that I'll never never take for granted or forget. That's for sure. Kind of shifting gears of the weekend. Are y'all packed and ready to go to head to Florida? Oh, uh, I'm close. close. I got it. I always I throw a bag together last minute every time. But um, <laughs> well, on the podcast here, we always uh, all three of us pick a winner for the weekend, and so uh, if we pick you as a winner for the weekend, uh, you're gonna you're gonna represent us really well. And uh, put, <laughs> oh man, I'll try. Yeah, I'll try and step up for you. But uh, it, I think I think in that first race that we got to redo or or make up, I start fifth in the dash, so I have a decent shot there, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be easy, but I definitely think we have a shot, uh, every, every time we hit the track. Well, I feel that car is fast on the big half miles and that, that track is obviously very fast as well. So, um, in, in the first two races there with the Alas, I think you finished like eighth or both nights or whatever, but, uh, I mean, your car is always fast. And like you said, with Phil Dietz wrench and, uh, uh, there's no reason not to think you're going to be right up there in contentions for another one. You started off the All-Stars with a, a win the second night out. So uh, you've been fast early on this year so far. Yeah, like, I felt like the two outlaw shows were a little bit of a bummer. I, th- I wish we would have ran a little bit better than we did, but we were really good the first two nights. Um, those last couple of nights, the track was just really fast and, so I think I made some bad decisions on the racetrack and kind of set us back a little bit there in the, that, that last, especially in that final feature. So we just got to clean those mistakes up, and I think we'll be we'll have a really good shot. Yeah. So do you know uh, what are the? This might be just a question to ask you, but do you know what are the two races or four races you guys might race away from the Outlaws by chance? Way to put them on the spot. Ooh, wow. uh, not to put you on. If you don't want to <laughs> yeah. answer, you don't have to answer. You know, we really don't know at this point. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, the outlaws are still going back and forth on what is going to be those four races. So that's the only reason. Otherwise, I could probably give you a really good idea. But um, they, they don't really know, like if the Eldor, for instance, if the Eldor Million is going to count against those four. You know, if, if it's, it's just, it just depends on some of those decisions. So, it's really unfortunate, you know. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to really get into the politics of the of the outlaw deal too much, just because I'm a driver, and ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm going to race wherever the 41 shows up. Um, you know, because I, I love driving the JJR 41, and I love working with Philip Dietz and and my guys. So I'm going to be with them wherever the wherever the car shows up. I'm going to have my helmet, my steering wheel, and I'm going to be ready. You know, but um, ultimately. You know, there's like one in particular that just really kind of is is such a bummer. Is like a couple of weeks from now, March, I think seventeenth it is or something like that. It might be the twenty first. I'd have to look at the calendar, but you know the the high limit race is at Tulare, yeah. and I'll be home anyways because um, I'm flying home that week to you'll know, be here with must be on the 21st because i get back on the 19th and i'm moving into a house and you know my i've my girlfriend and my family and everyone's here and and so i'm gonna be here anyways and i'm gonna literally be in the in the grandstand sitting there watching this race because you know the twenty three thousand to win race at a track that's you know 30 minutes away from my hometown where i grew up at 
it just is just really, really unfortunate. And yeah, I wish it wasn't that way. And yeah, I, 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 yeah, I guess that's all I can say is I wish it wasn't that way. And it just really, really bums me out. But you know, ultimately there's not a whole lot I can do other than decide I don't want to race the world of outlaw tour. And, you know, since I was a little kid growing up, all I ever wanted to do was win a world of outlaw championship. So I'm not going to do that. So, yeah. Uh, just, you know, it is what it is. And it's kind of the sacrifice that you gotta, you, you unfortunately have to make because of you being a full-time world of driver. Are you sure we're not going to see a, a third, uh, Macedo brother, Larson Macedo, make an appearance out there on that Tulare race? <laughs> oh, I think they'll definitely, they'll definitely, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely be a Macedo brother there. I mean, my brother's going to be driving the 21 car there, but uh, now the best I could do maybe is like show up and, and, and sign up under like Ricky Bobby and wear a mask all night. But, yeah, I like it. Uh, <laughs> I don't think, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll never forget when I think it was Scotty Thiel did that at Jackson. He was, he was something I, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I remember that. I remember him rolling out and I was like, who is this guy? Like, cause on race monitor, he was like second quick. And I'm, you just never see somebody show up at them big race outlaw races and is right up to speed like that, you know, and never heard of him. And he was like second quick. And I remember thinking, who is this guy? And I ever <laughs> walking over there and, he he was like gonna get in trouble from being away from work for COVID or something. Right, Tried to yeah. get away. I, I remember back in the day, Jason Size used to sign in as as Manny Moore because on the race post, posters they always yeah. say, no, no Steve Cancer Donnie Shots and Manny Moore. <laughs> yeah. So he, he just wanted to be on the on the poster. But I think what Josh was trying to get at is he just wanted to f uh, fish for some more cars to show up for Eagle Raceway for the Highland yeah, race. Yeah, yeah, if, we have, yeah. If, if we have a vote, uh, that'd be a track. Yeah, right that up your definitely alley. should be the one. <laughs> Man, I love Eagle. I've never been there and raced there, but I see the videos. The the, the most, I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen the one of Kyle winning there in the 17 car. That's, I'd love to race there. I just haven't ever had the opportunity, unfortunately. And I, I know Cole, who helps you out at, at a lot at Nationals, uh, would, would love to see you there yeah, as well. Cole and yeah, Cole Hoffman. Yeah. And definitely Mr. Phil Durst would probably love to see you there, too. Oh, yeah, Phil Durst. <laughs> he's, a le he's a legend, man. I wish for him I could race there, too. I, I, you know, he's always there at I-80 and that. But Phil's a really good guy. It'd be cool to race kind of in his backyard. But Well, hopefully all the pieces fall together and uh, and all will be, will be right with the world and, and you can get to race anywhere you want to. But until they make a decision, <laughs> we know where we're going to see you and that's evolution this weekend yeah yeah exactly we'll be there for sure all right carson i want to thank you for jumping on with us tonight uh good luck this weekend and uh hopefully we see the 41 in victory lane because i think one of us is probably picking you for the weekend so totally. I, think it's, I think it's the guy the the older gentleman out of the group we're, we're <laughs> all here, bud. Dang it. well hey thank you very much Thanks, for having carson. me on i really appreciate it um it's 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 been it's been a pleasure and uh hopefully we can click one off and welcome to the Amazing Pizza Machine, Omaha's award-winning play and buffet experience with over 60,000 square feet of indoor food and fun. First, feast your eyes on this. Our amazing buffet is packed full of delicious choices and is super convenient for families, groups, and folks of all ages. Yes, pizza is our middle name, but our unlimited buffet has so much more. And for the 21 and older club, we serve beer and wine available by the glass. Our amazing arcade is one of the largest in the Midwest and is something for all ages, with over 170 of the latest and greatest video and arcade games, as well as rides and attractions. 
voted Omaha's best family entertainment center and best place for birthday parties, the amazing pizza machine is the perfect destination for any celebration. And we hope to see you soon. Join Stars photographer B.A. and Off-Ice official Gene Cotter for Thunderstruck, the unofficial Lincoln Stars podcast. We'll talk with your favorite Lincoln Stars players, coaches, and alumni. Oh, it was a great night, yeah. Beat, beat them in their own rink just before the buzzer. It was something special for sure. I don't, I don't want to call it a surprise because I knew that there was uh, a great rich history for hockey here in Lincoln, but uh, I, was, I was really happy to see the fans come back in droves and, and be such a great supporter for us. I might have to throw my roommate on the bus. Uh-oh. I think Sato doesn't have the best tape jobs. He actually just spray-painted all his sticks white um, on the bottom of them. I think uh, he's copying some, some NHL or he's looking up to, but I don't know. I think it's dusty. I think a lot of guys think it's sick, though. <laughs> <laughs> to let him in penalty minutes, back before they handed out those little 10-minute wussy misconducts on everything, with 265, <laughs> Thunderstruck the podcast all season long right here on the Anchor app where we find your favorite podcast. Welcome back to Quick Time, the podcast. Josh, uh, we just got done with our little ad break right there, but uh, we haven't added the new, the new sponsor to the to the podcast. Uh, my Race Pass signed on for, for a year deal, and uh, they have a message for us. They do. It says, Race Night just got better with NPR Fantasy Racing on my Race Pass app. Make, make your picks for hundreds of events on Race Night and become the ultimate fantasy racing champion. Challenge your friends and play along with thousands of other race fans. You can even earn attendance points for for playing at the event. Download my Race Pass app on Google Play and other app stores, and subscribe to the All Access plan today. My Race Plan, it, my Race Pass is the ultimate racing resource. And and in all honesty, I did it back down in the Chili Bowl. Me, Ian, and Caden. It was a lot of fun. The the my Race Pass Fantasy League. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You got a chance to win shirts gift cards and things like that but yeah a lot of fun you know you you the fantasy player over here making us pick damn picks wherever you know, <laughs> that was actually you know, what so happened. so is is this what uh what our our, uh, our pick'em game is now sponsored by my, my race pass the pick'em game is is gonna be sponsored by my race pass yeah why not i i've done it a lot when i, I i'm at that race mm-hmm. and uh, like i80 speed where they always do it uh I, it's kind of fun. It keeps tally on, on throughout the night how your drivers are doing it. To me, it just adds a little another element to the night of racing. Just like if you're if you're a gambler and you bet on football or whatever, it just adds a little bit more excitement to the to the football game. So uh, I'm in NASCAR fantasy with you, and that just adds to it a little bit. You keep keep a little bit closer eye on a certain driver and stuff. So um, yeah, I've, th- that app is uh, is pretty cool with uh, the fantasy and so forth. So. Now, now, I don't use the app so much. I do get on, on online and look. I mean, their database of, of weekly winners is insane. I'm guessing yeah, that's probably sure. where you get a lot of your information uh, information from is uh, <laughs> for, all the, for, for all the winners and the IB Racing winners list. I get it wherever I can, but, yeah, that's definitely a stop that I, I hit up to. You know, and the part of the big reason why they came on board is I reached out to them to, to talk about doing a pick segment so that way we could get our fans into like a league and that way it could track it. And he's that's what they're actually going to be working on and hopefully get something done by the end of the year. 
uh, for next season. So pretty yeah, cool. that'd be pretty so, cool. So uh, one of the deals is they they gave us some giveaways to do. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, why don't we throw it out there uh, on on the next week's picks? Okay. Um, the first person to comment on there saying they do not have a my race pass subscription will get it. We'll get it. We'll get a promo code. And that's going to come on the next picks. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so, next week's picks. So, so not I, not this week, not tonight, but next week. Next okay, week. so when we send out the post that says, hey, make your picks, the first person that says, I don't have a My Race Pass app uh, subscription, we'll, they'll they'll win the subscription is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, we'll, we'll send them out a promo code for, for what is it, a free year? Yep, get a free year. All right. And we're not even going to mention it in the post, so you got to listen to the freaking podcast and know about the deal. Yep. And, and that app is really cool because uh, on race day, if you're – driving out to what used to be i80 speedway or whatever racetrack you're going to uh and you're not quite there yet you can jump on the app and you can see, see who's the dri- there yeah, man that's, see that's drivers yeah, are what dri- yeah, drivers are checking absolutely i know there's times where you know brad you got the racetrack yet how many cars have we got there yeah and and <laughs> I, now brad will, brad will text, text me before i'm like just go go look at my race pass yeah. man they yeah. have all the update up-to-date information yeah, out there the app says 24 that's awesome what's well, even nicer so. like when you get home late when you're streaming the show you can see what heat race they're on and yeah. see how people have done yeah, it's pretty cool you, with the my race, uh, the the lap times and and uh, the, the live data that they have. It's it's pretty cool and and I do use it quite a bit. I, I bounce between that and and uh, race monitor. See, I'm not I'm not a light timing kind of guy. I you know if I'm at, if I want to know it, I'm either watching the race on floor or I'm at the racetrack. Yeah. So well. When I, on my old job, there was a lot of, when I traveled a lot, there was times I couldn't get reception enough to watch my race, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, Dirt Vision or whatever, but uh, my race pass came in or, or race monitor came in pretty well. And so I was able to keep up on the races with uh, using that app. All right. Well, we're talking about my race pass right now. Why don't we jump into our picks of the week? Picks yeah, of the week. The Outlaws returned down to Volusia County Speedway for the, are we counting the makeup feature as part of this weekend? Yeah, absolutely. Heck Yeah. It's, does it count? It's, it's does it count? Does it count as our driver of the weekend that for the postponed race, or do we pick a new driver? The driver you pick this week that is for this that was, race. Yeah, for the you're going to pick an outlaw. You're it's not going to pick like Marks, who isn't yeah. going to be there. Um, it'll just yeah. make it for easier scoring. <laughs> so just to make it easy on me, since I'm keeping track of the score. But yeah, it'll be you can pick a driver, and it'll count for this whole weekend. All right, and as in tradition, Josh, you finished last this past weekend, <laughs> uh, so you get to pick <laughs> <Dang> first. <it. laughs> I am going Sheldon Hoddenchild or Hoddenchild, however you say his last name. That's my pick. He's he is due to win. I mean, he's 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 fast every time he gets up on tracks like this, and uh, I think he's won it a couple times down there. So that's my pick. All right, fans, pick um, right now. I you believe, I believe it was either shots or sweets sweet that's leading. When do they have to lock in the, the fan vote? Is it, you know, Friday afternoon, or when do you kind of determine when the... the I lock it in with, right before the first race starts. Okay. So, yeah, you can't go and go in on a Tuesday and be like... Well, all right, so all you, all you fans out there, you have until, what, Friday or Saturday, Saturday, Sunday race, so Saturday to pick up your your picks for this week, but uh, I finished uh, second last second. week. Yep. I want to take uh, our, our guest, Carson Macedo. That's a good pick. He he's done well down there. That's for sure. Well, the, my first go around was with Brad Sweet, and I wanted gravel, David Gravel, but I I chose Brad Sweet. So I don't think he can win four in a row. But I'm going to go with David Gravel this, to to win this weekend again. Well, it looks like on the fans, they're leaning towards Gravel is pretty much the favorite right now. Uh, Shots is a distant second, but. It could change. I mean, by a distant second, he has one vote, and Gravel has two. 
<laughs> so I'm gonna, Gravel's got like four. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna get on and sign on, and my wife is gonna vote for <laughs> Craig Kinzer. My daughter's gonna vote for Bill Rose. <laughs> Bill, Bill Rose. <laughs> There's another one for Craig Kinzer coming up. Josh, a lot of, a lot of hate on Craig Kinzer last no, week. Yeah, for yeah, sure. That, I felt bad. I shouldn't have done that. He he's a good guy. I mean, and you two motherfuckers need Jesus. Wow. Dang. <laughs> That's what you get hating on the Craig Kinzer like that. The Prince of the Outlaws. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know I what to no say about comeback that. to that. Absolutely. I mean, uh, but I will say that I don't know if anybody else knows this, but there is a purse going on for this uh, this weekend's race, and then the Port Royal, the Williams Grove, and the Lincoln Speedway twenty grand purse, ten thousand dollars to the winner of that uh, purse of those those four. So it's like races. A, a mini points race yeah. between the, the those four races. But I, I think it's kind of funny that it's three Pennsylvania races in the Florida race. How many Pennsylvania guys do you think are going to be in that mix for that that money? It'll be a small handful. I don't know. It, it really won't matter if the uh, PA guys sweep the weekend up there uh, with over the outlaws. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, really, I'll tell you who I'm not picking is not. I ain't picking Danny Dietrich. Let me down. <laughs> let you down last week. He let me down last week. He is not. He's on the S list right now. So uh. <laughs> I, I think it was funny. We sent the text out and you sent it back. Damn it. <laughs> so what else we got? Is that, is that the only pick we got for the week? That is the only pick we got for the week. Because uh, that's really the only racing that's going on at that time. Because then oh, next week Josh, starts uh, do you Port, know. Port Royal. USCS <laughs> has got like four races this next week. So where's that? Yeah, at? but we're picking outlaws. We I don't know. pick no USCS. Yeah, Brad, he got mad at us I last mean, week because we picked a wild card week of picking Pennsylvania races. I know. Well, you when you signed up for the deal, I signed up the deal to be on the outlaw. Well, I'm deal. glad we did it because uh, Justin Peck represented, so that's good. I did find it funny that Stu Snyder chimed in saying after Raymer won the first thing, see, I told you, and then I came in last. I picked Raymer, so. Me and Stu, we didn't look too smart then at the end of the, sh- end of the week. <laughs> well, I, I can vouch for you not looking very smart, but I don't know what the deal was, Stu. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> Superman powers must have worked, didn't go there. But uh, uh, how? let's switch it over to Brad's uh, winner's list, the IB Racing. What's it called? Winner's list. Winner's list. <laughs> Call me well, Big Daddy. Call me Big Daddy. Call me Big Daddy. Winner's list. Wow, man, this this show is getting. Where are you crazy. finding this stuff? <laughs> oh, you Look. do you not know that? Do you not know this down clip right here? Call me Big Daddy. Call me Big Daddy. Call me Big Daddy. Daddy. Is that Chris Wyndham? That is Chris Wyndham in oh, a skin yeah. tight red leotard. Yeah, seriously? Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. wow. And he's slapping his ass. All the time. <laughs> Call me Big Daddy. <laughs> Brad's like, you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Well, this last week's winners, uh, there wasn't very many races that happened, but uh, we already talked about Freddie Raymer taking the icebreaker opener. Um, Justin Peck taking the Sunday night, Sunday night edition. edition. Uh, our good friend Terry McCarl swept the USCS weekend down in Southern Speedway in, in Milton, Florida. So he uh, he took both nights, I think $8,000 between the two nights. Yeah, eight grand to win is five and three. That's good because he has a grandbaby to pay for now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Baby needs a new pair of shoes, Terry. And uh, Davey Hamilton Jr. won the Dave Steele Classic. It's a pavement race there in Florida. So. Is that a former NASCAR driver, Davey Hamilton Jr.? Shit, I don't know. He's a race car driver. Hamilton, that. Is he related to the F one driver? No, not no. speaking of F one. Brad, have you do, do, 
keep tabs on F1 at all? Do you I, watch? The, I do pay you watch zero the, attention to F1. You don't watch the Drive to Survive? No, no. So I was gonna say, if you could pick any dirt guy right now to drive an F1, who would your guy be? Would it, does it? It doesn't matter who. Anybody? I mean, I'm throwing they, Larson in there. Racing. I'm throwing Kyle Larson in there because he's a dirt well, he's guy. He's racing Indy. What, yeah, but I, I think of all the guys coming from dirt, I think Larson would be. Well, he'd be one the, hell of an F1 driver. He would be the logical choice to, yeah, yeah for sure, to represent. But uh, I All honestly, right, that conversation was a fucking waste of time. I know, I, I know, a lot of people love F1. I have zero interest in it. I mean, those things cost a billion dollars a piece, and 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 when they get team orders, uh, you you can't win this race. You need uh, your teammate to pass you, and win. I, I I don't believe in any of that stuff. So I'll tell you who would be fun to watch in F1 is Rico. Have him him compared to. Uh, Daniel Ricardo, as far as fanfare, I mean, he would be a fun one to to see behind the wheel of one of those things for sure. I don't know. I don't know about I mean, that. Carson Macedo would be pretty good. I mean, he runs the wheels off anything. Based on in. what though? We don't have anything to base that off of because they can drive a dirt sprint car. What I mean, these F one things they um, shit, you you can almost shift gears with your eyeballs. They they have so many sensors and so many things they can and notches change things and while you're racing their steering too. wheel is unbelievable and so yeah that's a whole different all right back game. to the winner's list yeah back to the winner's list well that was all the winners for the weekend but overall um steve diamond jr he's a 360 driver in florida has three wins davy hamilton jr has three wins already and then uh um, tyler courtney david gravel and terry mccarl both all three have two wins so early leaders for for the the winners list and again those are only winners of the in the united states since uh since january one so uh going to switch the topic then brandon's and brad's favorite new uh podcaster put out a, a post who is the mount rushmore of sprint car drivers but I want to change it to who is the Mount Rushmore Mount Rushmore sprint car drivers in Nebraska only. Who is your picks, Brad? My picks would be um, John Gerloff, Ray Lipsy, um, Lloyd Beckman, and um, Billy Alley. I got Ray Lipsy, J.J. Riggins, Billy Alley, and Don Drow Jr., Don would be he, you got to definitely consider him with all the races that he's won throughout his whole career. Um, he's I, I, he's hard not to put on that list. His one sure. knock against him, I think, is his points championships. He doesn't really run for points championships. Yeah, he never really has. You know, I mean, he didn't win his first one until what four or five years ago, and that was just because the car owner wanted to run the series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good list. I don't know. Um, Billy Alley done. He won a lot of races, but his championships are in Knoxville. So, right. um, would, is he deserving to be on the Nebraska Mount Rushmore? But he is from Nebraska, obviously. So, you need to. Uh, I think you got. Oh, we're, we're picking guys from from Nebraska. Well, well, Nebraska, all right. I'm picking. Guys. I'm picking Billy Alley. The Nebraska okay. Mount Rushmore. Lonnie Jensen. Really. Joe Saldana. Okay. And Lipsy. Yeah, I Lipsy. didn't even think of Joey Joe Saldana. Really. I mean, what about Rayleigh Goodwin Jr.? I've never even think no. about that one. Is he? Any from Kansas? He's from Missouri, but he but he ran here weekly. He right? ran here, but he, he won some races, but he didn't. He didn't. He wasn't a dominant. He he was, he was really good, but not a not a Mount Rushmore caliber dude. 
I feel like we're going to get uh, some some people talking about this because it, I'm sure we're leaving people out, like Kenny Greitz, right? Yeah, oh, I mean, for sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. 1969, Knoxville uh, champion. Yeah. So, I mean, you you're, you got names, but... It, wasn't Thad Dozier from Nebraska? I believe so. So, you got him. You got to remember, though, I don't know a whole lot about the old guys because I didn't start watching sprint cars about until the year 2000, so... Well, you're Joe Sodano's... Yeah, he's yeah. He's I never even thought of Joe Saldana. I thought Joe because of Joey. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a. I mean, nobody's gonna have wrong answers because uh, it's just your opinion, and yeah. if it's your opinion, it can't be wrong. So opinions are like what, Brad? <laughs> opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, and some of them stink <laughs> more than others. That's right. Well, but then again, would you put if you had to put Don Drowd Jr. up against Rodney Drowd? Rodney Drowd's got way more points, championships, and stuff like that. Oh. All Junior has is the features that he's won. Yeah, but if, like you, if you ask Rodney Drive, who's a better race car driver, well, I know what he's going to tell you. He's going to tell you it was Don Drive Junior. <laughs> I, I I really respect Rodney Drive, but his races and his championships are at Eagle only. Uh, Drive Junior, Don Drive Junior has won around the Midwest, into Knoxville, other tracks, and different classes of cars, midgets, sprint cars, uh, non-wings. Uh, so Drought Jr.'s career is, is way more impressive than Rodney Drought's, even though Rodney has more championships. Uh, and, and, and I don't hope that doesn't mean – I hope that's not disrespecting Rodney because uh, he, he, he's done a great job out there at Eagle. But uh, um, I think when you go – Career-wise, uh, Don Jr. has the better career. What? So why didn't you pick uh, JJ Riggins? Just curious. I he's he was he was my favorite Nebraska driver of all time. I, he was my favorite, um, but I just don't think that his career um, would warrant a Mount Rushmore. First of all, it wasn't a long established career. Um, he won a lot of races here. He won a few at Knoxville. Um, I just don't feel that it's Mount Rushmore caliber. There's others that have more deserving careers than, and like I said, JJ was my favorite. I thought that he sat in that car out of Midwest Speedway was just cool as hell. The red Budweiser 14J. Um, and then when he was out at Eagle, uh, he was my all-time favorite Nebraska driver. I, I should say other than Dean Ward, but a lot of people don't know Dean Ward. So uh, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Do you know who that is, Brad? I know a crew guy that helped out Dean Ward a couple times. <laughs> my dad was a crew chief of his car. That's right. All right, last topic. Streaming services. Is it a joke for what some of these tracks are trying to do? It's not a joke, but I'll tell you what I'm not doing. I ain't spending $40 to watch a freaking weekly racetrack somewhere that I don't give a shit about. Right. Do you agree with it being a pay-per-view experience? Hey, this tracks do what you want to do, but you know what? Uh, like I said, I ain't spending the extra money. I, if it's if it's like a track that I don't give a shit about, like uh, like... We're, we're talking about Placerville and the and the Sprint Car Challenge Tour out there. I didn't really watch it on Flow. Um, if it was, you know, one o'clock in the morning here in in Nebraska, and for sure, I'm up and you know what they're racing out West Coast. I might watch it, but I ain't spending any extra money to do it. Well, and and we're not familiar with California drivers per se. I mean, we know some, but but to to give forty dollars for for a month when you're not going to be familiar with too many of the drivers. And like you just said, we're going to be staying up till one o'clock in the morning watching these cars. I get why they're doing it. They're trying to, to 
increased revenue at their track. And so they're breaking off of flow and, and other streaming services for these, these new startup uh, streaming services. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, I'm still fighting this post COVID stuff, but, uh, they're, they're trying Spreading to spreading that shit but, around like herpes, Brad, but their are their argument of, of streaming services are hurting their front gate. Well, now they're breaking off and, and cost charging more money to watch their streaming services. And, uh, it's just a hard argument to convince me that that this is all good for the sport when you got flow racing, you got dirt vision, you got all these streaming services and you're going to have to buy purchase all these streaming services if you're going to want to watch racing. Uh that's going to be hard to convince people to spend all that money on uh on uh streaming services for various tracks in, across the country. Now I want to throw you guys on the spot here. So uh we'll we'll talk Eagle Raceway. We're familiar with that racetrack. Mm-hmm. Um, they they have the Advantage Racing um, is their their streaming provider. I don't know what the monthly cost is. I don't know what the per race cost is. Yeah, that's irrelevant right now. Okay, how many people say Eagle Raceway averages what twenty five hundred fans a night out there? So I would they, say that's yeah. fair. So yeah. most of those guys are your diehards. They're going to go. How many guys do you think are actually going to sit at home on a night and watch that race? How many viewers do you think is going to be an average like a percentage? Race? If you just throw out a, a ballpark number. How many, how many, how many viewers in Lincoln, Omaha, Grand Island area, you know, with the, with, you know, a two or three hour drive, do you think are sitting at home watching Eagle Raceway on, on any given night? Screens on, I'd probably say 30. I would say very few. I would say less than a hundred. Yeah. I would say less than a hundred. How many people outside of that area are you, do you think is watching? Say it was, say it was based on if it was a flow racing, you didn't have to pay extra. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, so if it was a flow racing, so, yeah. So, so I it's mean, just it, on and you can it, watch yeah. it. Yeah, but I, I think, I think, I think do you think a lot of people I think outside? A lot, if it was a flow racing event, and I lived in, I didn't live in Wyoming. Lincoln. So you lived, I lived North in Platte. North Platte. I, no, how about I lived in? I okay, North. We'll say North Platte. So I'm still in Nebraska. I'm not going to drive down to Eagle Raceway and watch that. But if I'm a diehard fan and it's on flow, I will turn it on. But I'm not going to spend the extra money. Just to watch the one race or something. We like can't that. even get you to Eagle when you live exactly. 15 miles so how away. am I going to get there? You know. But like I said, I think I think viewers in the area for for a weekly race, you're going to have less than 100 people yeah. watching that race. Very few yeah. outside of that area, you might have maybe 500 tops. Yeah. You think so? On a on a weekly I race, if, if you're lucky, if you're so lucky. I think this talk about tracks losing revenue. That's a thousand dollars at ten bucks a head, well, if that. You know, you're not really losing a lot. You can sell more beer in, in, a, in a red flag period than you're going to make well, up in that grandstand period. Yeah. Look at Lincoln Speedway they, in, in Pennsylvania. They are cutting the number of shows that are, they're broadcasting this year on flow to 11. Yet they showed this last weekend's races and the stands were completely packed. They had to delay the start. Oh, no, I shouldn't say they delayed the start time. The average advertised start time was 730 p.m. But people were complaining that, oh, it's 7 o'clock here. We're not started yet. But that people were still in line to get into the damn yeah. racetrack. Yeah, they, they didn't want to start until everyone was in. And it was on flow. So tell me flow is affecting their front gate. They're not. Now, some people are arguing, you know. The first well, race you, of the year. You can't compare because it was the first race of the year and stuff like that. But, you know, um, those same those is, same people that were in the grandstands <laughs> wanting to get out to the race are going to be the same people that were cooped up in June. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. I, I mean, yeah, there I, might be more options to, to 
more options in your area to go out on a, on a Saturday night in June than there is on a Saturday night in February, but they're not at home watching it on TV. They're out doing other other entertainment right. um, yeah, options. I agree. I don't. I personally don't think streaming is hurting the front gate in in any track. What you the fans that don't go that are sitting home watching are. I I just don't believe there's very many of those. Well, I mean, as a good example is during COVID, that's when the big boom for the streaming services hit. And we, at and in my neighborhood, we would have fire pits every Friday night. You were night. supposed to stay inside, sir. I know. We were sitting around a fire pit at six feet apart from each other, right? Yeah. No. So anyways, but I would put on, on a screen, and usually it would be two screens out in the driveway, and... I would put on whatever races. It would be like the World of Outlaws, and then they would get over. We'd all still be outside, so we would turn on the California race. I think a lot of these promoters out there are looking at those COVID numbers and be like, man, during COVID times, there was you know, yeah, 5,000 people watching this event. Right. It's because you couldn't get out to the racetrack. Yeah. Those 5,000 people are, are you know the, the 4,000 at your racetrack right now. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And it helps your sponsors. It, spe- it helps the sponsors of the race cars the the track i don't get why how it's a bad thing. i i do agree with the racetracks wanting to see more data yeah, on it for sure because right. i mean i'm we're even in the podcast stuff we're curious about how many listens downloads we get mm-hmm. versus other podcasts that way right. we can compare ourselves a little bit and but that data is just not out there so I, I i do get the racetracks uh wanting to see the data how many how many screens are on in this area when we're when we're racing and whatnot but like i said I don't think it's going to be more than a hundred people in your area. Yeah. Now I think Knoxville gets a better viewing, uh, streaming views from people around the country because they're not, it's a national track. It's a national track. It's a well-known track. It's four tens and three sixties. And they're more, more well-known than, than like at an Eagle or, or. So those numbers might be elevated, you know, as a national viewer viewership, but people in Knoxville and Des Moines area, how many? I don't think right. it's going to be a whole lot. They're going to be at the track. Yeah, they're going to go. Now we we give you a lot of flack, Josh, about not going to the races. But he's not but, at home watching but, Eagle Raceway, though. But, but you got other responsibilities. I mean, you got a you got a wife, daughter, and and son, and and they they're Brad's got camping, and I got camping. But uh, um, so I, I I get why you don't go to the races, and then you you don't uh, you have allergies that uh, yeah that are bad up, when, so, when the, when the so, dirt hits, and, and we tease you for not going. One, but uh, you have legitimate reasons why you're not there. But but you're it's not because you're just lazy and you just don't want to go to the track. You exactly. you yeah, have other, Brandon. other reasons. <laughs> I got shit going on too, bud. No, so but a good you know you say you, you go camping. How often do you turn on the race at a campsite? Never, because I'm out camping to have get away from technology. Dang it, Brad! You're supposed to prove my point oh, here. <laughs> no, I, I I don't uh, I don't get on the phone or anything when I'm out camping because I I want to experience Bond nature. with mother nature so okay then my brother when he, he wants goes, to sit out in the outdoors naked no example my brother goes camping and he'll turn on the races how often times are you going to have a random person coming by you know walking their dog they see the races on they might stop and watch they might become a fan of it you know what i mean that things like that it you know, even me doing it out in my driveway, people could drive by and be like, oh, you know, there's a race on tonight. Yeah. I'm going to turn that on and see what's going on. I mean, to me, it's, I just don't think that streaming is the bad thing that they're all trying to make it out. They're, that's the reason why they're losing well, money. 
In my opinion, you only have to look at Terry McCarl and the Oski Challenge. He was anti-streaming forever. And all of a sudden, in the last two or three years, it's on flow now. So crowd hasn't hasn't changed. No, the crowd it's hasn't changed. Nope. So that tells me that he's making enough money off of the streaming to make it worth his while, as, as well as open up the gates to the fans. Yeah, and he hasn't so, hurting it. So to me, that's that's all the evidence I need to see because um, Terry was completely against streaming services for the first. 15, 18 years of that race, and now yeah. he's all for it. So um, that just tells me that he's making the money that he needs and wants, so it's, it's paying for it. So it's making it worthwhile where some of these other tracks are blaming the streaming services for smaller attendance when if they would look at their, their own promotions, their own um, social media and stuff, um, maybe they're just not doing their job of getting their events uh promoted the way they need to be well and you have the the commercials that come on i mean typically it's commercials of the race or that track that they're getting advertising not just locally to the person that's there but it's the person that's a state over two states over i mean you're getting your name out as a brand as far as a company as a sponsor you can use that to help your track grow and get bigger and better i just yeah that's just my opinion for the for the average person, it's gonna be hard to justify buying all these different streaming services. I mean, well, not to I mention, ain't doing it. Not to mention, if you're buying Flow and Dirt Vision like I do, and I do, my weekends are full watching Outlaws and All Stars and whatever else is on Flow. I'm not gonna have time to sign into Flow or whatever advantage whatever, racing you know, or yeah, whatever yeah. they are to watch another class of cars when I've got what I need right now with Flow and. And dirt vision. You know, here's a good good question. Just a quick question to ask you guys. But so I started looking into is it sprintsunlimited.com? Yeah. He actually charges to listen to his podcast. To me, it's something like that. It's showing that you your your brand is good enough to be paid for. Yeah. He charges people. Everybody listen to this podcast, you need to send me Venmo five dollars <laughs> right now. No, he like I looked at his pricing plan, it's like sixty dollars for a year. It's thirty five for it 30? a subscription of okay. It's thirty five, but then it's only thirty dollars for six months, so it's five dollars less. But that's the thing is that there's other ways to make your revenue, you know, go up is you know charging for things like that. But I mean, it's no different than a long time ago when I was part of DirtDrivers.com. You know, people complained about paying five dollars to be able to post on the the site, but people still paid for it. Yeah, because they wanted to be a part of it. That's going to be the same thing. That I didn't do. That's when I stopped posting on dirt drivers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I mean. People will pay for this service, but I just don't think you're going to get the numbers depending on the cost. Speaking of which, we need to start um, providing merch and seeing if people will buy merch. Well, Brad is buying two quick time T-shirts that I can't wait to Ixnay take a picture of. On Brandon. the T-shirt, a my dad, a will be hearing a. <laughs> I think it's funny that Brad only texted me. So do I need to cut that out? No, no. What? I don't get it. I'm apparently don't don't get it. Surprising my dad with a quick time T-shirt. Oh yeah, don't do that. Surprise, Ron. You just said. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't record that part. (laughs) Never mind. Where's my uh, you fucking idiot (laughs) button? (laughs) You don't have that one yet. (laughs) Well, Holy hell, Josh. 
So here you go, fan. Start, <laughs> Holy start, hell, start bud. Over. Delete. So how many, okay, fan, fans of the show, how, you know, post in our uh, Facebook uh and, and just on a post, I'm going to put a post out there to how many people would be interested in getting QuickTime merchandise. I've, I've always thought about selling it. I have ideas of how we could, you know, do shirts and do hats and do things like that. I'm put out there. I'll put it out there and see what, see what kind of response we get back. My thing is, you two motherfuckers going to be wearing QuickTime shirts. <laughs> That's like a driver wearing his own merchandise stuff. <laughs> you can't not freaking do that. No, he tells me that all I the disagree. Time. I mean, when, uh, um, uh, what was it, a TNN sprint car racing? Uh, it was like, we, like a slogan type cut shirt? All that out. Like no, a slogan I, I, shirt? you know, like, uh, um, um, name a stream, uh, Flow Racing. They have yes. Flow Racing shirts. They have Flow Racing jackets. They have Flow Racing hats. And they have a Flow Racing logo on the mic. That's Same true. Thing. All right. I might let that slide a little yeah. bit, but so I still think it's kind of douchey. took me a long a long time to get to that point. but I, I think I it's still kind of douchey, like, <laughs> wearing, I, I like a race got, car Brad. driver wearing his own race star, star, car stuff. Yeah, I think it's borderline. I think you're... you're yeah, I, I, I see your point. My daughter has been wearing my, okay. my zip-up hoodie. She's to, not on the school. show. To school, and she's actually had people ask about hey, it. Here's a question. My last name is Brown. If I wear a Brian Brown t-shirt, is that pushing the limit? No. Okay. You're not Brian Brown. Sometimes <laughs> I like I have a, I, I have like two Brian Brown shirts and and I have a sometimes I have My question is why the hell would you want to wear a Brian Brown shirt? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> He has one of the coolest shirts ever, I, in my opinion. It was, uh, it was a Brian's black, stuff is pretty it, awesome. It a, I like Brian's stuff. It was stuff. a black shirt, and then the, the, the design is nothing but white. And I, I just love it. That's, I that's like Brian's stuff. Brian's that's a one good of my dude. coolest shirts that I have is, is the back. The shirt is just BB, uh, BBR2021 on it, and the back is just the it's the whole design is nothing but white. It, it really pops. It's really cool. I like his skull bandits, like a scroll. Is it skull? Scroll bandits? Skull. And it's the it's old school world outlaw logo. Yeah. That's what it is, Josh. I know, but you know, right. my, my pronunciation is not too well there, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, so. But no, cool. I, yeah, if anybody's interested, we could definitely get that going for you. So Let's remember see. last week when I, I don't know if I told you, Brad, I go, these hour and a half long podcasts fucking suck to edit. <laughs> We're over an hour and a half already. We're over an hour and a half. We got to quit this shit. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> I think with the, that first segment, we had a segment where we were pretty we're gonna, empty. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, but you're still gotta edit it. That's what sucks. I know. Sorry, Brandon. I gotta make Josh. We, we sound, can do a better. I gotta job. make Josh sound halfway intelligent, which is you know <laughs> fucking that's hard a, to do. That's a stretch from time to time. I, I think our goal ought to be about an hour, hour fifteen, something like that. So yeah, I, I like the hour, hour ish. Uh, but when you got guys on like Carson Macedo that sits there and talks and has some good stories, so it, I true. mean, it makes our job a little bit easier. It's not us idiots just talking. So yep. uh, until next week, we will see everybody uh, next time on, on QuickTime. Later. See ya.